0: There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years." So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, "'How shall I know this? "'For I'm an old man, and my wife is well-advanced in years.' "'And the angel answered and said to him, "'I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God "'and was sent to speak to you "'and bring you these glad tidings. "'But behold, you will be mute.' And not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Skip to verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son, When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father. What would he have him called? And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel.
1: Thank you, Aubrey, for that really great reading from Luke chapter one. And thanks to the worship team for leading us in uh, those Christmas carols. Um, First of all, I'd just ask for you to pray for me. Sometimes um, I struggle with a bit of vertigo, and I'm having a bit of bout of that this morning, so I've got my trusty chair here if I need it. But if you could pray for me as we um, hear this message today, I would appreciate that. And let me pray for us. God in heaven, we uh, we thank you for uh, the message that we sang today. Rich beautiful, deep theological truths about who we are and about who you are and about the good news of sending your son. And Lord, today I pray that we would come to a, a deeper and richer and fuller understanding of how good this news is. Lord, we thank you for Elizabeth and Zachariah and for their story. We thank you that you inspired Luke to tell us their story, these two uh, faithful, wise, old, righteous people who are waiting for you. And we thank you for the ways that you showed your favor in their life by giving them a son named John who would prepare the way for your son, Jesus. But we thank you for this great story. May we hear it new today. Amen. So this uh, December here at Broadway, we are taking some time to look at what I'm calling the very first Christmas songs. In the Gospel of Luke, the news of the birth of Jesus is accompanied with a lot of singing, with a lot of songs. Uh, Mary sings, Zachariah sings, uh, Simeon sings, the angels sing. There are all of these songs that are sung after they hear the news that Jesus has come. And so today we had an opportunity to hear some of these uh, traditional Christmas carols that are filled with rich lyrics. And I hope you are listening and paying attention to the lyrics of the songs that we sung today. Because they were deep and they were rich. And I just want to ask, do you, if you have any kind of favorite lyric that stands out to you in a Christmas song. And I want you to be thinking about that throughout this week. A lot of the times on the radio or in our Spotify playlists, the really lighthearted and fun Christmas songs get mixed in with all of the songs like that we, that we sung this morning, and we kind of forget to listen to some of the rich lyrics that are in some of these traditional carols, and so I would encourage you this week as you're listening to Christmas music in your home or in the car to pay attention to the the lyrics of the songs and maybe to write down one or two of your favorites and to bring it next week to the christmas eve services and we're going to talk a little bit about some of those songs some of our favorite christmas lyrics here's a couple of my my favorites Uh, One is from a song that I don't actually really care for the song all that much. It's so little town of Bethlehem, but I love this line that in the town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Thee tonight. And that night when Jesus was born, that all of the hopes and fears were wrapped up and settled and found a place in the coming of Jesus. Another one of my my favorites is from O Holy Night, the first verse. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus' coming into the world reveals to us how much we are worth in God's eyes. Let's say that again. The coming of Jesus into the world reveals to us how much we are worth in God's eyes. When Jesus took on flesh and became one of us, he revealed to us that being a human being is good. Did you know that? that being a human being is a good thing, that God chose to become a human being. There is an aspect of Christian thought and theology that emphasizes human sinfulness our lowliness, our wickedness. The Bible tells us that the human heart is perpetually wicked, that we are sinful from the very time we were born, and all of those things are true. And it's important to know those truths so that we can understand truly how much we are in need of God's mercy. And in the biblical story, God says that we are good before we are wicked. In the biblical story, human beings are made in the image of God, and then we fall into sin. We were made good, and we were made for a good and noble purpose. In the beginning, Adam and Eve found favor with God. In the creation story, God makes the stars in the sky, and he says they are good. He makes the sea and the land, and he says they are good. He makes the fish of the sea and the beasts of the field, and he says they are good. And then he makes human beings made in his image, and he says what? You are very good. These human beings are, are my favorite of all of my creation. Human beings are made in my image. They have my favor. In the beginning, Adam and Eve found favor with God. This word favor stood out to me in Luke chapter 1 as I read through it over this past week. I would encourage you, if you've closed your Bibles, please open them up. It will be helpful to you to have them open today to Luke chapter 1. Favor. This is the word that grabbed my attention this week in the preparation for this sermon. And we hear this word favor throughout the the Christmas story. Maybe the most obvious time that you might remember is when the angels sang the songs to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. In the beginning, Adam and Eve found favor with God. God's first gaze, his first look on us, his first look on you is a look of favor. It's a look of joy and delight. He made you and he loves you. And God is at work in the world through the sending of his son. God is at work in the world, clearing away anything and everything in our world, anything in our lives, anything in our hearts that keeps us from knowing and receiving his favor in our life. Because that one part of the Christian teaching about what it means to be a human is true. We are sinful. We are rebels. We have rejected God. We have rejected his kindness and his mercy and his favor. There is sin and darkness in our hearts and minds that keep us from knowing and receiving God's favor. And the Lord has come to rescue us from those things that keep us from the knowledge and the ability to receive his favor. So this is the word that popped up in my study this week. This word shows up in a few different parts of this chapter, both in the pregnancy of Elizabeth and the pregnancy of Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 25, this is what Elizabeth says. The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And then again in verse 43, when Mary comes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has that experience of her baby leaping inside her when she hears Mary's voice, she says in verse 43, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to meet me? And then in Mary's story, in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, Mary, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 30, the angel said to her again, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. For both Mary and Elizabeth, their pregnancies were seen and received by them as evidence of God's favor in their life. But interestingly, the results of their pregnancies in the eyes of the world were exactly the opposite. Mary and Elizabeth both received their pregnancies as favor from the Lord, but in the eyes of the world, they were exactly the opposite. Elizabeth's pregnancy reversed her shame. She was an old woman who was not able to have a child, and in that time in particular, that was a piece of shame that Elizabeth carried in her heart. And what does she say? That in these days, God has shown me his favor by taking away my disgrace, by taking away my shame among the people. Mary's pregnancy was the opposite in the eyes of the world, it brought shame on her. Joseph considered divorcing her quietly so she wouldn't have to receive and experience even more shame than she already was experiencing. But at the same time, both of these pregnancies, even though in the eyes of the world, these women experienced opposite experiences from the world, they were both seen as favor from God. And this was the tension in this story as I read the way that God's favor came to Mary and to Elizabeth, that drew my attention to this idea of God's favor throughout this chapter. And this is the point that I want to make here, and really the point of this whole sermon as we look at Zechariah's song, is that God's favor toward you is not dependent on your actions or your circumstances. God's favor on you is not dependent on your actions or your circumstances. His favor toward you, his love for you, his mercy and his grace toward you is real and it is steadfast and it is unwavering and it does not change. And he has come to bring his salvation into your life and mine so that we can know and receive his favor and enjoy him and worship him forever. This morning, as we look at Zechariah's song, I want us to think about it through this lens. What is it in our lives that keeps us from knowing and receiving God's favor? The most true thing about you is that God looks on you with his favor. What is also true about us is that there are realities in our life, in our actions in our life that keep us from receiving that truth. In the beginning, Adam and Eve found favor with God. And God is at work in the world through the sending of his son to enable us to experience that favor that we were designed to receive from the very beginning. Zechariah's song is a beautiful prophetic word, a song that he sings that tells us about God's incredible work to make his favor a reality in our life. So here is the truth that we hear throughout the scriptures and in Zachariah's song. You and I have an enemy. He is the enemy of our soul, and he wants to keep us from knowing our worth. He's an enemy who wants to keep us from knowing that it is good to be a human being created in God's image. An enemy who wants to keep us from knowing God's favor. An enemy who has one goal and purpose— To either keep us from the knowledge of God's favor towards us or to cause us to reject his favor toward us. So our enemy has two weapons that keep us from knowing and receiving God's favor. And that is sin, which separates us from God, or darkness or ignorance of who God is and his favor towards us. So these are the two weapons that our enemy uses to keep us from knowing or receiving God's favor, sin and darkness or ignorance. In the message of Zechariah's song, this beautiful prophetic song is to tell us that God is coming to rescue us from this enemy. This enemy who causes us to live in sin and darkness and who keeps us from receiving God's favor. And so here is what I would say the summary of Zechariah's song. And I'm just going to give you this at the very beginning. You can write this down and kind of see this as we go through his song. Zechariah's song is this, the main point. God is coming to rescue us from our enemies. That's the main point of Zechariah's entire song. That's the thesis statement of his entire song. God is coming to rescue us from our enemies. How? In two different ways. First, by forgiving our sin. And second, by shining light in the darkness. God is coming to rescue us from our enemies by forgiving our sin and by shining light in our darkness. Zechariah's song, verses 68 through 75, this first part of the song, the entire eight verses that this begins with is all about this first thesis statement. God is coming to rescue us from our enemies. Let me read it for us again. Zechariah says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. all our days god is coming he is coming to dwell with us is Zechariah's message he's coming to dwell with us in order to rescue us from our enemies our sister dawn preached this next part of my sermon earlier today in the confession of sin she said it perfectly that those who first heard Zacharias' song would have imagined some sort of general or political leader who would save them from the Roman government. But what they probably did not realize is that they have a greater enemy, an enemy that is much more powerful than Caesar or Herod, an enemy that actually stands behind the Roman Caesar and King Her- Herod. And that is our enemy, the enemy of our soul, Satan, who by temptation leads us into all sorts of sin that cause disruption and destruction in the world and that cause us to be separated from God and keep us from knowing and receiving his favor. And Zechariah, filled with the Spirit, tells us that this is the enemy that needs to be defeated first. We need a Messiah who can be victorious, not only over evil people or evil things, but over the source of evil itself, over even the evil that dwells in our own hearts. The salvation that God is bringing goes all the way to the core of our sinfulness and has the power to free each one of us from this bondage that leads to death and from the separation between us and our knowledge Of receiving the favor of God. So the first eight verses is all about how God is coming to rescue us from these enemies, these ones who keep us from knowing who God is. Verses 76 through 69. Zechariah then speaks about his son John and what his ministry will be like. And Zechariah says that John will prepare the way for Jesus to come by giving us a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. Let me read verses 76 through 79. This is what Zechariah says about his son John. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah says that his son will prepare the way for Jesus to come by giving us knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of Of sins. Our enemy leads us to sin, to reject his mercy, to God's mercy and God's grace, to reject his favor. And there is nothing that we can do on our own to erase the harm and damage that is caused by our sin. In the beginning, Adam and Eve found favor with God. And our sin is the rejection of that favor that we were designed to receive. It is the action of turning our back toward the greatest gift that we can receive, and it causes damage in our relationship with God and other people. And there is nothing that we can do to reverse that damage except to ask God if he would forgive it. Forgiveness is such a precious thing. Have you ever been truly forgiven by someone? Have you ever had that experience of doing wrong and knowing that you did wrong and caused harm against another person and went to that person and asked for their forgiveness and they said to you that your relationship is so valuable and precious, is worth so much to them that they are going to forgive you in order to stay with you? That's a beautiful thing to receive. And this is what God extends to us. This is the salvation that he extends to us. We have sinned. We have rejected him. We have caused harm that we cannot even see or imagine. But his favor to us is so great that he's willing to forgive, to cover over, to wash away those actions so that we can be right with him. And this is one of the ways that God overcomes our enemies by forgiving our sin, not holding those things that we have done against us so that we can know and receive his favor towards us. He also rescues us from our enemies by shining light into our darkness. I think the image here is that our enemy wants to blind us, to to obscure from us the truth of the favor of God in our lives. Our enemy wants to keep us in darkness, wants to keep us from seeing our need for God. And our enemy does this in all sorts of ways, through our busyness, through keeping us tied to our technology, through our entertainment, through good things like safety and comfort. Our enemy wants to take any and every good thing and make that thing become so important in our lives that we become, we become blind to the goodness of God and our need for him. And sometimes we're so trapped into believing that what we see with our eyes, this physical world, is all that there is. That the good things of life become more important to us than him. And we become blind to him and our need for him. And according to Zechariah, God is coming with light in order to break us out of this darkness that we live in. So that we can come to see our need and dependence on the one who made us and who wants us to receive his favor. And so I want to finish today by taking a few minutes simply to be quiet and to to ask you, to ask the Lord, what it is in your life that is keeping you from knowing and receiving his favor. Maybe it is some sin in your life that needs to come to the surface, that needs to come into the light that needs to be known by you and maybe confessed to a brother and certainly confessed to God. Some sin in your life that needs to be acknowledged that's keeping you from knowing and receiving the favor of God. Or maybe it's the, the, the darkness of the distractions that you're walking through in your life, the busyness of your life, uh, the technology, the entertainment that you pursue, whatever it is that's keeping you from really knowing and seeing God in your life. Or maybe it's some other thing that I haven't mentioned, but what is it that is keeping you from receiving and knowing his favor in your life today? Let's just take a few minutes to be quiet and to reflect on that this morning. Lord, we, we thank you that your, your fir- first look and gaze on us is joy and delight in your favor And Lord, we confess to you that there are many ways in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, where we have turned our face away from your face, where we have chosen to walk in darkness, where we have chosen to listen to the word of the enemy and to walk in sin, to walk away from you. And we thank you that you sent your son to deliver us to forgive us of our sin, and to reveal to us the truth about ourselves and about who you are. So God, we pray that today, that if there's anything that's keeping us from walking in your favor, Lord, that we would be honest, that we would be clear, that we would bring those to your attention, and that we would receive your forgiveness and walk in your favor. In Jesus' name, amen.